few weeks ago, Pip had a really great idea. Uh, and it was an idea that made a tremendous difference. <laughs> like I said, a tremendous difference to my ageing parents. Um, uh, it involved quite a lot of work, and, but it gave them real encouragement um, in their twilight years. And it was uh, simply to organise a photo shoot for them. Uh, their children, uh, that is me and my siblings, grandchildren and great-grandchildren in the botanical gardens. This happened a few weeks ago. And then to present uh, a beautiful series of framed photographs to my dad on his 90th birthday, which is next year. It's a really great idea. Uh, later my parents said how much they appreciated this gesture and how Pip had looked after them during the shoot because it was quite cold and they felt loved and cared for. And of course, on the day of my dad's birthday, we'll be able to present the photographs to him, thanks to Mandy, credit there. Um, you know, the big reveal style, and I'm just looking forward to the look on his face and him feeling very much loved and valued. But the main reason my dad was so grateful was that towards the end of his life, he saw the generations of my family members gathered around him. And a significant number know God and follow Jesus. And it struck me that it gave him so much hope for the future. Um, and there was beautiful symbolism as well, because between his grandchildren and great-grandchildren, uh, there were a lot of daffodils all springing up from the ground. We tried our best not to trample on them. It was a lovely symbolism of, of, of the generations and a new life springing up. We all need this kind of hope, don't we? Hope is so important. Um, they say that walking is the best medicine these days. But I think hope is even better and the root to our well-being, one of the important aspects of our well-being as human beings. Why is hope so important today? Because never in my life have there been so many reasons to abandon hope in this world. American writer Laurie Penny said, engaging with current events at this particular moment in modern history feels like an endless rolling panic attack. Floods, fires, elections, and I would add, presidents behaving badly, rogue states, a new arms race, the environmental crisis, and to cap it all off, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Hope is in short supply in our world, our nation, and also our community. For 250 years in the West, the narrative has been one of inevitable progress. That science and engineering can deliver constant improvements to our lives. That through education, people can be brought out of poverty and come to enjoy all the benefits of this dream of health, wealth and prosperity. Just a matter of time, it's rolling out, it's happening, people are benefiting. So for the West, hope was founded on scientific and technical progress. But all of the assumptions of modernism are crumbling in our lifetime. And as a result, hope is in short supply. And so many people struggle with hopelessness and despair. The modernist dream promised much but it is not delivering to so many people. So where is true hope to be found? Well, the Christian narrative has always run against the grain of the prevailing worldview. As Christians, we have placed our hope not in the illusion of progress, but in the good news of Jesus Christ. 
So what does it feel like to realise that the modernist emperor has no clothes? What does it feel like to be a renegade, an outsider, a dissident, within the prevailing worldview? Because that's what we are. And I personally embrace it. I think it's great. To me, it also feels a little scary. It feels a little odd at times. It feels a little uncomfortable. But this is the feeling that Christians have always had to deal with from the very beginning. And it's because our hope is not founded on our own ability to solve problems and to create a better world. As much as we want that to happen, that is a secondary thing. Our hope is not based on our ability to engineer our way out of problems. Uh, instead, our hope is founded on Jesus and all that God has done for us through him. Now, every, uh, very often Christian hope is mischaracterized. You get that quite a lot in the media, um, or even mocked, actually. They say our hope is not based on anything real. Uh, that it's just wishful thinking. Or that it's happy-go-lucky, naive optimism, hoping for the best. Or that it's putting our hope in heaven and ignoring the needs of the real world. So what is our Christian hope based on? Well, to answer that question, I want to speak about a symbol that the early Christians used for hope. We don't use it so much these days. But it was a symbol that came out of um, Hebrews 6 verse 19, which says, We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus, our forerunner, on our behalf has entered. The anchor. Do you pick up that on the, as I read that verse? The anchor was the Christian symbol of hope. And numerous little anchors have been found carved into the tombstones of Christians in the catacombs in ancient Rome. And I've got two or three examples. There's one. Combines the fish, well-known Christian symbol, with the anchor. Next one. So the anchor on the left, the fish on the right. Next one. And again, mixture of fish and, and there's an anchor there in the middle. Throughout the 2nd and 3rd centuries, the anchor was a much more common symbol than the cross. But after the 3rd century, the anchor stopped being used and the cross kind of took over and that became the main symbol to this day. But the anchor in ancient times as it is today was vitally important for ships needing to remain relatively stationary in the water, especially when the seas were rough and the ship was close to shore. The anchor had to hold the ship against the currents and the waves and the storms. The anchor symbolised safety and security for all those on the boat. If the cross represented salvation itself, and sometimes if you look closely, these symbols have both a cross in it as well as an anchor. So if the cross represented um, salvation itself, the anchor represented the ongoing protection and care of God. The writer to the Hebrews that we have, that we have hope, which is like a sure and steadfast anchor. In other words, we have an immovable mooring 
safe and secure. And what or who is this anchor? It is none other than Jesus Christ himself. It says in the next verse that the anchor goes in to the inner sanctuary, which is, of course, picture language for the presence of God himself. So our hope as Christians is secure and strong and depends on Jesus, not the kind of global events we see unfolding around about us, Jesus, who holds us in the embrace of our wise and loving God. That's the the anchor rope going into the sanctuary, into the presence of our loving God who holds us. So the current climate of world and local events may seem like an endless rolling panic attack for some people. However, we have an anchor, Jesus, who has promised to be with us and to help us and to give us grace to withstand the storms of life. Not to escape the storms, but to withstand the storms because Jesus, our anchor, is with us and holds us firm. Now, it's normal to feel that the world is out of control. When I watch the TV, that's sometimes how I feel too. But the early Christians felt that way, but much more so than we do. In 303 AD, under the emperor Diocletian, there was what became known as the Great Persecution. There had been lots of different persecutions in the first few centuries, but just one decade before Christianity was made legal, and in fact became the, the, the religion of the whole empire soon after that, that happened in 313, but just 10 years before, a great wave of persecution broke upon the church. You can only imagine what it must have been like for Christians during that time. Think about that in your imagination for a moment. Some fled, some apostatized, some were killed. It was like great waves crashing over the church. It was during these times that the image of an anchor comforted and consoled Christians. Jesus promised to be with them, to hold them to be their security, to give them life, even life beyond the grave, which happened to some of them. In our own day, there are waves crashing over our church and community. Lots of different waves, waves of domestic violence, waves of social media bullying, waves of poverty, waves of worry because of the pandemic, waves of anxiety because of the 15th of March, waves of despair. But we put our hope not in some myth of constant progress that is being undone in our lifetime, but in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our anchor and security. So how can we make hope more than just a word? You know, at the end of the day, it's sort of vibrations in the air. How can we make it real? How can we become people of hope? Well, It's like this, a composer writes some music, but then needs an orchestra to play it. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is like the the music of a great symphony. It is the good news that death and despair have been defeated once and for all. Death could not hold Jesus Christ in the grave. Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. This good news is our symphony. 
Now we are being asked to be instruments in God's hands to play the music of this extraordinary hope. We are called to embody this hope in our personal lives and in the life of our Livestreams community. We are called to so live the gospel that others recognise that we have not given in to despair around us, but we have a deeply rooted source of hope welling up from within, and that changes us, changes everything. That will mean not speaking in despairing ways about world events. We're sometimes tempted to do that, aren't we? Like a tone of despair creeps in. It will mean when we do feel low about how things are going in the world and in our community to commit these things to God in prayer. It will mean cultivating the habit of giving thanks and praise to God for all his mercies, even in the face of challenges and difficulties. And it will mean developing the habit of noticing the grace of God all around us. These are the habits demonstrated by people of hope. You see, giving thanks to God is a very subversive thing to do. It says we will not be beaten down by these challenges, but we will look to God to carry us through. And indeed, we believe that God has a good future for the earth and the human family. Because we have not put our trust uh, as much as we admire and enjoy the benefits of science, ultimately, we do not put our trust in science to solve our problems. But we put our trust in God, who has lavished his salvation upon us in Jesus Christ, who loves us with a strong and everlasting love. Today is Spring Flower Sunday. I don't know of too many other churches who have such a thing. I'd never heard of it until I came here. But we do, and it's good. It's good because we get in sync with the seasons at this point. You see, spring is the time when the earth comes alive again. Spring is the time when lambs are born. Uh, seeds germinate. The trees put forth their leaves. Spring reminds us that in God there is life and there is hope. Spring will come again. That which seemed dead and lifeless and desolate has come to life. So at springtime, we take the opportunity to renew our own hope in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. And you know, we can make a tangible difference in the lives of others by sharing this hope with them. So I invite you after the service, I know we don't have a cup of tea, hopefully it's the last Sunday, but talk more about that later. After the service, and you've chatted and that sort of thing, please take a posy uh, at the back of the church and a name of a person and simply go round to that person. You don't necessarily need to know all the details. In fact, um, it's probably best if you just say, I come uh, with some flowers um, from St Barnabas, representing God's love and God's hope. And that's what we're doing today around the parish. Have a good day. We pray for you. May God bless you. And it helps them to experience that hope. It's a tangible thing. It might, you might think it's a tiny, tiny wee thing. But it, these kinds of things make a tremendous difference in the lives of people. So it's simple. It's practical. It's very meaningful. And it's about following Jesus and extending God's love.
which is, our, of course, our parish vision. Becky, can you come and um, lead us into a time of prayer? There's much 